Hey everybody, this is Ruby with podcast number 279 coming at you. This is a message from Charlie. There is something you might be able to help me and many other women with who have partners around this age group. I've been searching for a permanent partner for the first time, but I fear that at 65 years old I have left my run way too late. It seems the vast majority of men are either incapable, lost interest, unable, completely impotent when it comes to sex in any form. I never knew there was such a dramatic drop in ability for the man once he hit 60 years old, because they are good at covering it up with their bragging and chest beating. Is it modern living, bad diet, medication, frustration with life, overwork, or emasculation by society? Perhaps a thousand other reasons why a man has lost his functionality. He no longer has a fully functioning toolbox, or is he just worn out from too much living? Anyway, here I am, still single after 18 months of solid searching on various dating sites. Twas the possibility of a partner from the USA, but that very week came the worldwide grounding of all flights. And the rest, as they say, is history. This being the land down under where overseas flights are just flights of fancy. Sadly, I had to let him go. In confident, quiet conversation, I like to let them know there are more ways than one to skin that proverbial cat, and I can bring new meaning to their lives if they will only let me in, but there is always that defensive factor to get past, so no pegging for Charlie, laugh out loud. (laughs) Well, first of all, Charlie, let me say that yes, you waited quite a while to start looking for a partner, a permanent partner for the first time. That is amazing. There's so many women out there who look far, far, far earlier than that. (laughs) In fact, that is their focus in life. So I'd be fascinated to hear what your focus in life was that you had gotten to age 65 before you really started looking for a permanent partner. I mean, in my imagination, you were running around having all kinds of fun with all kinds of partners. And finally, you decided, okay, maybe it's time to settle down at 65. (laughs) And now also let me comment on... Sex, the definition of sex. So I believe that Dan Savage was the one that said this. He said, you know, it would be nice if we could define sex as uh, all kinds of different things. And this is kind of a conversation that's been going around sex education circles as well, is that, oh my God, can we stop defaulting to intercourse every time we talk about sex? Because there's so many different ways to have sex than just intercourse. You know, clearly they are. We all know this because we do pegging and that's a way to have sex too. But there's oral, there's all kinds of different things. It doesn't have to involve orgasms. There can be toys. There's so many different choices. There really are. So I think First of all, it is very natural for a man to lose the ability to have an erect cock as he gets older. That's pretty well known. Not all of them go through it, but goodness, that is part of the reason that Cialis and Viagra exist. Absolutely. And it's a pretty well-known thing. So um, the fact that they don't have, as you say, a fully functioning toolbox, imagine if this is a part of you that is so central to who you are and how you have sex. And, you know, men define themselves a lot through their cocks. I'm not, this is not a criticism, 
but they identify with it, they're proud of it, they like it, they like to jerk it off. I mean, it's a source of so much pleasure. And if it starts to get non-functional, I think it can also be a source of pain. Absolutely it can. It can be an embarrassment. It's like, oh crap, it's not getting hard. I mean, even if you're a young man and you have a totally awesome penis that can get hard almost all the time, it's a huge source of embarrassment if it doesn't get hard at the right time. And I've talked about this a little bit. In fact, I teach about it every time I teach my beginner's class because as most of you who are listening probably know, when there's prostate stimulation happening, erections are not a guaranteed thing. And there's so much emphasis on erections in our society, period, that it just really frustrates the hell out of me. And I mean, if I can rant just for a little bit about there, there is so much emphasis on, well, you're not hard, so you're not attracted to me. You're not hard, so you don't want to have sex with me. What's wrong? What's happening here? You're not hard. Oh my God, do you know how much pressure that puts on the cock owners? Goodness sakes. So if we can all just take a deep breath and mellow out and know that erections are fickle and they come and go, but when you add in prostate stimulation, then the erections become even more uh, non-dependable, non-predictable, I guess you could say. Some of you, while getting prostate stimulation, some of you receivers will have erections that come and go. Some of you will be hard the whole time, and some of you couldn't get hard if your life depended on it. So there is unfortunately this tendency for women to look for an erection to see if their partner's having a good time. And this is a huge mistake. Your cock owner partner can be having an amazing time with you even if their cock isn't hard, <laughs> okay? That is not the sole and most important sign that they're having a good time. And it also would be lovely if you didn't use that as your sole judgment if they're having a good time and assume that something's wrong if they're not hard. So, you know, that's my rant because I feel like so much pressure is placed on cock owners that it just frustrates the hell out of me. So with the whole pegging thing, clearly, as I just explained, you know, erections come and go and sometimes they're not there at all. Now, going back to just regular sex in terms of your letter, Charlie, so it's this is kind of how I look at it. It's like I, I expect almost a partner who's older to have a lesser functioning, not as hard, not as reliable penis. Absolutely. I expect that because that happens a fair amount as guys get older. What causes it? Oh my God, who knows? As we get older, things break down. Things don't work as well. My knees don't work as well. <laughs> so, you know, uh, what can I credit that to? Diet, maybe. Medication, probably not. Um, Lack of exercise, maybe. Uh, doing too much when I was younger, maybe. Uh, there's so many different things. So it's, it's impossible to sort of pinpoint it and say, yeah, it's because of this. And like you said, probably a thousand other reasons why the man has lost his functionality. But you know, there's probably a thousand other reasons why our bodies just kind of break down. So what I would like to encourage all the men in my general age category, because I'm right up there with you, Charlie. I just turned the ripe old age of 64 just the other day. <laughs> so I find this too in terms of functionality, but the functionality part doesn't bother me because there's so many different things that we can do. What bothers me is the functionality of having lost interest in life because there is intimacy, there is coziness, there is um, touching and massage and play and toys and pegging and 
fun stuff that can be done in bed and none of that requires an erect cock but even if you really crave an erect cock there's also the spare parts deuce with any kind of toy you want which actually opens up the field to many 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 other possibilities big and curved and textured and whatever you like small who knows so all of that is fine what bothers me is they've lost the functionality and desire to live life to the fullest that is the part that I have a hard time with. So when I'm talking about it, I phrase it a little bit differently. It's not the lack of functioning of their cock that bothers me. It's their lack of interest in life in terms of just getting out there and doing things. And this is why sometimes the phrase that I use is, uh, they can't keep up with me. This is why I like the younger men, because the men that are more my age simply can't keep up with me. And I know there's exceptions, and that's not a black and white thing. Of course it isn't. I'm sure there's many men out there at my age that could run circles around me, right? But also, it's beyond just physical ability. It's the inspiration to keep going for it and living life and learning and having new experiences and being curious and um, I don't know things like that as opposed to I think I'm just gonna sit down and watch some reruns of Seinfeld and have my beer and not go to the gym and just sort of lose myself in mindless activities because I simply don't have the energy to keep trying and I gotta say as you get older having the energy to keep trying is more of a challenge it's so much easier when your body works really really well when things come easier just because you're younger. Everything works great. Your digestion and things are new. And as you get older, it's not just that things break down physically, and they do. It's also that you have a history behind you. And so one of the things I think that's really important is attending to that history. What do I mean by that? Well, let's say you've had some really tough times in your life, and most of us have. You need to attend to that. You need to get the therapy. You need to work through it. You need to find peace with that. Or maybe it's forgiving someone who wronged you. That doesn't mean you have to have contact with them. But to have that hard space inside you, yeah, that wears on you. Absolutely, it wears on you. And I think that when you have more unresolved places in you and unresolved issues and those hard places and the lack of forgiveness and the lack of working through the traumas that you have experienced in your life, then all those sort of combine to make you want to check out a lot more than you might otherwise. This is how I think it works. I'm not a therapist, <laughs> but you know, the distracted behaviors, the disassociating behaviors, those aren't all unhealthy because we all sort of need to disconnect. We live in a world that is so full of input all the time of all different kinds, whether it's visual or audio. There's so many different things coming at us all the time that just checking out really has its value. And there's a bunch of different ways to check out. But if the reason that you check out increases, because as soon as those thoughts come up about, oh, that person that I'm so pissed off at and never have truly forgiven, or, oh, that trauma that I had when I was in that relationship or when I was a kid or something like this, and you just don't want to think about those things because that pain is just under the surface and you don't want to feel the pain. Who wants to feel pain? Nobody really wants to feel pain, right? 
but if it just sits in there, it's going to keep coming back until you dive in, work through it, resolve the trauma, forgive the person, whatever it is that's making you go, oh, don't want to do that, don't want to feel that, don't want to think about that, think I'll watch Seinfeld, think I'll sit and have a beer, think I'll play my video games, think I'll uh, spend some money, think I'll, you know, there's so many different behaviors that we can sort of term addictive behaviors. And it's, it's a way to disassociate, and it's a way to check out. I want to not check out as much as possible. In other words, I still play my video games, I watch my TV, I drink, I do things that absolutely are disassociative behavior. But at the same time, I want to moderate that. I want to do that in moderation, and I want to spend the vast majority of my life connected I want to be living it. I don't want to be separating from it because I need a break. Breaks are important. Breaks are valuable. Absolutely they are. But at the same time, I want to be fully present. That is the phrase that I'm looking for. So I went way, way off field here from your letter, Charlie. But what I'm trying to express is that I have found too many men who are closer to my age who really are not very present anymore. They just really aren't. And it's so disappointing to me. And this is what I mean about living life fully. This is what I mean about they can't keep up with me. You know, just to, to toss a phrase off there, oh, pff, uh, men my age, they can't keep up with me. And it sounds uh, dismissive, but there's a whole lot more underneath, as I just tried to explain. I love what you said about in confident, quiet conversation. I like to let them know there are more ways than one to skin that proverbial cat, and I can bring new meaning to their lives if they will only let me in. Yeah, I think what happens sometimes is that the, the part where you said won't let you in and the defensiveness, I encounter that too. Uh, the vulnerability is something that men are trained out of anyway, especially, especially men in our generation. So that goes back to the whole thing of the man box and men from such a young age being trained out of the very things we really would like them to have in terms of emotional intelligence, in terms of allowing themselves to feel their emotions, in terms of vulnerability. And those are the things that make intimacy so wonderful, so connected, and so deliciously fulfilling, I guess, is how I would phrase it. And I think it's quite difficult for men of that generation to do that. I think that there's much more awareness now in terms of all of that. And I've talked a lot about that. Uh, a year ago during November, I posted so many things about men's mental health. And I talk about it all the time because I catch women complaining about how they're not going to do a men's emotional labor for them and blah, blah, blah. And while I get that and I see that that is a valid thing to feel and to say, and they're really accurate about, you know, being required to do emotional labor in many situations. The point I'm trying to make is that you're mad at men for not having the skills that they were trained out of from childhood. It's just not fucking fair, man. It's just totally not fair, right? I mean, it's easy for us to say we've got the emotional intelligence. We were not, 
you know, a whole part of us was not chopped off of emotional expression and vulnerability. All of those things are totally fine. We have the emotional intelligence. They're like little kids when it comes to that. And so sometimes men get to the point where they do their lives and they have their careers, maybe they have a family and everything, and then for whatever reason, they find themselves by themselves when they're maybe late 50s, early 60s, and they still are trying to wrap their head around, well, hopefully they are, learning those skills, and they're kind of like toddlers in that regard. That's the thing that fascinates me is um, I wish there was more widespread attention to this. I wish that more men felt comfortable learning about it, but right alongside that and attached to it is I wish that there was less judgment from society of men stepping out of the man box. I mean, you know, that's what this letter from you, Charlie, made me think about because it's not that simple for men. When their bodies don't work, uh, they get defensive, I think, because it's embarrassing because society is like, oh, if you can't fuck a woman, you're not a man. You know, if your cock doesn't work, you're not a man. Are you kidding me? You know, having some insight into what it's like to have a guy who simply can't get it up and to, to find a way to be okay with that, I think it might, maybe, be similar to a woman who absolutely can't have a child because society is so, you must have children, you must have children, you must give birth, you must have a family. And I know that there are a lot of women are making choices nowadays to not have children. But at the same time, there's a huge amount of pressure from society of, oh, yeah, you can't have kids, you're not really quite a real woman then. That might be something what it's like to be a man. And it's like, oh, yeah, your dick doesn't work, you're not really a man then. It's all fucked up. It's so fucked up because to judge someone by the functioning or lack of functioning of their body parts, of parts of their body, is just, you know, to judge them as a person, to judge them in terms of their value, that's fucked up. It totally, totally is. So on the subject of erectile dysfunction, I thought about this guy I met some years ago who had a podcast called Broken Boner Radio, and I tried to search him out to see if I could give you that resource for anybody who's interested. Since we're talking about men without a fully functioning toolkit, right? <laughs> so uh, he seems to have disappeared. He had a lot of podcasts, but they do seem to be kind of gone. His website is gone. I did, however, find an audio interview of one of his podcasts on YouTube, and it's him interviewing the guy, The Good Men Project, and his name is Dale Thomas Vaughn. So I'm only partway through listening to this. It's like 43 minutes, but I'm putting the link up anyway because it's full of all kinds of wonderful sharing and information, not only from Dan, who was born with erectile dysfunction, but from Dale Thomas Vaughn, who has all kinds of insight into the real things that make a man a man, the vulnerability, the openness, the willingness to share, the willingness to connect. And hearing these two talk is just, I don't know, it feeds something. So it might feed something in some of you listeners. I'm going to put that link in the show notes. There are absolutely more ways to skin the proverbial cat. I picture all kinds of wonderful, intimate coziness and touching and play. And like I say, orgasms are not necessary. They might happen, they might not. You might just play until you get tired of playing and you're done. 
that's still such a wonderful connection. And there shouldn't be this huge emphasis of, well, what's the point of having sex because I can't get it up anymore and I can't even have an orgasm, if you indeed can't. Oh my gosh, the, the, the touching. There's so much therapeutic value of touching. There's oxytocin. It can feel so intimate. And it can also be a beautiful and wonderful replacement for the sex that you're not having because here's to here okay i'm going to come full circle here okay <laughs> these podcasts are turning into really interesting ruby's just going to talk for a while <laughs> okay but still it's going to come full circle because here's the deal you know the whole man box thing that i've talked about before men are trained not to be vulnerable not to feel their feelings uh they're rarely given enough or almost any tender, loving, non-sexual touch. So what they do, like from the age of, I don't know, 10 to 14, somewhere in there, it's like they're forbidden to have tender, loving, non-sexual touch. It's sort of like you're, you're labeled a sissy. You're labeled as like, oh, you know, don't make him soft by hugging him and holding him. And, you know, good Lord, everybody needs hugs and needs to be held. So they learn to desire sex to want sex and to approach their partners for sex when sometimes all they need is to be held and touched in intimate, non-sexual ways. I mean, women know that we do this sometimes. It's like, I just need touch, but you know, I can get it through sex. So sometimes I said yes to sex when really all I needed was touch. I think there should be a much higher value placed on tender, loving, non-sexual touch for both genders, for all genders. But especially there should be an emphasis on enlightening men that to ask for this is really okay. Uh, again, I'm going to reference my beginner's webinar, the aftercare aspect. So aftercare is a word that many people use in the BDSM community. And we have tops and bottoms in the BDSM community. And the tops do things to the bottoms. whole variety of really wild, kinky things, right? The point here is that we put them through some changes. And, and we kind of put them in a different space. Sometimes we call that subspace. So we take responsibility as the tops to take care of our bottoms when we're done doing whatever we're, we've done to them, right? That's called aftercare. That can look a whole variety of different ways. It can be you hold the person and cozy with them. It can be you sit next to them and hold their hand and bring them water and feed them chocolate. It can look a lot of different ways. But my point was also in pegging during my beginner's webinars that sometimes anal penetration can be really intense. It can be a very emotional thing. It can be an intense uh, vulnerability because anal penetration in my world is just sort of necessary to be emotionally vulnerable. I'm sure you don't have to be, but I think that that aspect of it is just right at the forefront when you're very first exploring it. And sometimes the degree of that vulnerability is shocking and um, it just can be really intense for guys experiencing that, partly because they're not familiar with the feeling of being vulnerable. So it can put them through some changes and the point being after you're done doing the pegging, aftercare is something that can be wonderful to have offered to you, to experience, to sometimes you really need it. And I, my heart aches for those of you who might be doing the thing where, you receivers, who might be doing the thing where it's like after the pegging, what you would love, you would absolutely love is to be held. 
and just held and cozied. And I mean held like your head is on your partner's chest and they've got their arms wrapped around you and you're cozying up and you're just being held, simply held and comforted, right? And some of you crave that. My heart aches that you're craving that and you won't ask for it. So this is why when I teach my beginners webinar, I talk to the givers and say, okay, so, you know, we're throwing the whole man box on its head with this pegging thing. And because there can be some really intense reactions and responses to anal penetration from your receivers, know that sometimes aftercare is necessary. It wouldn't be lovely if you offered it so they didn't have to ask because sometimes opening up their mouth and asking that is a huge vulnerability as well. There are still women in this world who look at men who open up and, and have that vulnerability and see them as weak. That makes my heart ache too, because vulnerability takes so much strength, you guys. It really, really, really does. The vulnerability to open yourself up and express your emotions and take risks and share things with a partner is so courageous. Oh my gosh. So if any of you find yourself in that situation, it doesn't make any difference what gender you are, you are or you identify as. It doesn't make any difference. If you have a partner come to you and share something really vulnerable with you, take a deep breath and the very first thing is to thank them for sharing that with you. To really, really thank them and say, wow, thank you so much for sharing that with me. It means a lot to me that you would share that with me because it does. And to be grateful for that is huge. You know, the whole thing of, oh, he needs to be just like the manly man all the time and never be weak, always be strong, never need help. That is a fantasy. And that is a fantasy that is so, so harmful to men. My goodness. Okay, let's get back to your letter here. Oh, I feel for you about the pandemic, too. That was not a fun thing. And I'm sorry that all your flights got canceled and you had to let go of the possible guy in the United States. One of the things that I've decided in my life now that I've turned 64 and I still find myself without a permanent partner. And when I say a permanent partner, really what I'm looking for is someone to share my life with, to spend a lot of time with, to uh, build memories with, to have as a companion. I did, I don't know if I, if I said this on the last podcast, I might have. I'm telling everybody about this because it resonated so much with me. I saw a meme on Instagram and it said, I just want to meet somebody, fall madly in love and see them three times a week. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly how I feel. Because as I get older, I really treasure my time, my space and things like that. But at the same time, I really, really would love to have a partner. Now, do I have a sweetie that I go to Airbnbs with and have a lovely time? Yes. But he's going to go off and have a life of his own and have a family at some point. You know, we are not destined to be life partners because of the age discrepancy. And I'm not saying that's always the case with age discrepancy relationships, but this is why I so resonated, Charlie, with your letter, because I look for the older men as more possible permanent partners just because of life experience. We're in the same place in life. We have the same goals. Maybe we want the same things. It's just different. When you have someone who's much, much younger, they can be so much fun. It can have a lovely intimate connection, but many times it doesn't last and that's okay. You know, the definition of a successful relationship is not longevity. It's that 
you had amazing times with that person and shared amazing things. You know, that is, should be the measure. The, the measure of longevity is, there's way, way too much emphasis placed on that. It kind of drives me crazy when people do that. I had lunch with a girlfriend yesterday and I was talking about looking for a partner. I was talking about relationships. This is a common topic of conversation for women is relationships and our current partners or hopeful partners or prospective partners or the partners that we wish we had that we don't. <laughs> and one of the things she asked me was really interesting because nobody has ever asked me this before, at least not in my memory or not recently. She said, well, I know that you're kinky and all those things, but this thing that you teach about the pegging, would you be willing to have a relationship with someone who doesn't do your kinky things? And I thought, wow, okay, that puts a whole new spin on it. Um, I'd have to say that if they didn't want to do pegging, that would be really difficult for me because I'd have to give up so many lovely fantasies. I mean, having even a part-time live-in partner or somebody I see three times a week, I would love to have somebody I could bend over anytime I want. That's a huge fantasy of mine. This is why I talk about the, the um, fiber supplements and stuff like that because that helps with keeping clean. Yeah, that aspect of dominance where I could bend them over any time I wanted. But if I found someone that I just really, really got along with on a companionate level um, and just have regular sex with them, eh, maybe, maybe. I'm kind of open to that. But, you know, not wanting or, or I should say not needing my partner to satisfy all parts of me. I realized this some time ago, which is why I'm non-monogamous. It's sort of like, well, there's different parts of me. And trying to find somebody who satisfies uh, most or hopefully all, but you know, that's like a pie in the sky dream of those parts is unrealistic. And it's more realistic to find different people that satisfy different parts of me. That way there's much less insistence on someone kind of stepping up to the plate and um, meeting your needs. And also, I think, at least in my world, it makes for less tendency or urges on my behalf to want to change them into what I want. And that, as we know, is just a walk down a short pier, right? A long walk down a short pier. That's what the saying is. It's, it's you know, a recipe for disaster trying to change people. That's crazy. So... Yeah, that's why I'm non-monogamous. It's like, okay, I'm just going to get these different parts fulfilled in different places. That's fine. The funny part of that is, is that in looking, that also kicks me out of the category of some of the prospective partners because they're pretty intensely monogamous, and I'm really not. So yes, the box does get smaller as you get older. I wish you the very best in your search. And I don't really have any advice for you, but those are all the thoughts that I have around this particular subject. I welcome input from everybody else <laughs> who's listening. Please send your thoughts in, send your stories in. Charlie, thank you so much for that message. That really hit home, clearly. And I apologize that I made you wait a while before I responded to it. I hope this makes up for it. And I have a little uh, response from this last podcast that I did about what makes a good bottom. And I know that I asked tops or givers of the pegging formula to write in and, and tell me what they thought. This particular comment is from 
a bottom, but let me read this for you. Responsiveness, communication, ability to relax, expressions of dominance and submission, care and cleaning, parentheses, most important, ability to allow vulnerability, dirty talk, willing to take a bigger toy. Pretty much I agree with your list as a receiver, and as a giver I expect my partner to be the same, at least keeping it clean. I only got pegged once by an American woman, tourist, because here in the Middle East, 99% of women aren't open-minded about pegging. When I got pegged the first time, I was silent most of the time, as I was embarrassed. Because of our culture, it's not manly to get fucked, and the man must be dominant. I know it's almost in every other culture, but ours is so extreme about it. But I want to be myself. Yes, I'm submissive, mostly. My first experience was good. I wish I talked to Dirty more, and her as well. I want to feel submissive, and communication would help. Oh, those constraints that society puts on us, goodness sakes. <laughs> Let me see if there's any other comments that I got since my last podcast, which was simply days ago. So some of you were on, on the uh, stick, you know, quick on the stick, whatever you want to call it coming up with all kinds of sayings today. Let me see if there's any other comments that I've received. I'm not finding any other comments about that particular podcast, but I did get a letter that I want to share with you before I close this podcast, this, uh, this second short podcast, my new format. I think that this has taken a fair amount of the pressure off me to do these hour-long things, so I am optimistic that you will be receiving these more often. Nonetheless, here we are with this very poignant letter that I received. The subject is, I waited too long to say this. Almost 50 now and finally accepting who I am. I wish I found this place 20 years ago. I'm fed up with being ashamed of it. I'm male, so this has been a struggle for me. I've run that gambit. Am I straight? Am I gay? Am I bi? Am I always going to be alone? What the fuck am I? But truth be told, I'm straight and have no interest in men sexually, but I also love anal and really love toys. I always have. I knew at an early age that this was what I wanted, but at the time, well, you were either gay or straight, and men who liked anal penetration equals gay. I spent a lot of years being confused and afraid, and to be honest, I still am a little of both. That old thinking still persists and still messes with my head, but damn it, I'm too old for this shit. I like what I like, I want what I want, and I, like everyone, want to be loved. Oh man, that makes me teary reading that. And you so deserve to be loved, sir. You so do. Everyone deserves to be loved. No one deserves to be judged for what they like sexually because of a box that society says you're supposed to fit in. So, although you waited a long time to say this, I celebrate you 1,000%. I support you unconditionally. And I want to say, welcome, because I, too, did not embrace my love of pegging until I turned 50. Okay, I knew that I wanted it, and I was ashamed of it, and I labeled it. I filed it away and labeled it bad and weird and different and strange. And I finally, when I turned 50, kind of did what you did and said, I am, I waited too long to say this, and I'm tired of it. I'm too old for this shit. I'm going to go do what I want, experience what I want, explore what I want. 
Because if not now, when? That was the question that I asked myself. That was my form of, I'm too old for this shit, okay? Yeah. As you get older, these things happen. And I think that one of the things that this does for us older people, oh my God, (laughs) it makes us so much more interesting people, so much more rich in terms of what we have to offer because we're finally truly embracing who we are and not giving a shit what other people think. So congratulations, sir. Congratulations to you. I celebrate you. You are too old for this shit. You go for it. Love what you love. Do what you want to do. And yeah, we all want to be loved. Here's one more letter I want to read you. I received this one on Reddit. I wanted to say thank you. I heard your podcast like four years ago and it was amazing. As a child, I knew I was excited about anal stimulation, but shame and sexual fear made me sick with worry. So I hid that and moved on with my life. Then I heard your podcast. It was like a window opening in my soul. I was still ashamed and scared, but I didn't feel alone. And that was the greatest gift I've ever been given. I can look at myself and not feel dirty or worthless. Sure, I have fear, but I feel like I'm not alone. Every time I hear your podcast, I think, wow, it's good to see someone explaining a sexual act as something not to be afraid of and something that doesn't mean there's something wrong with you. I don't ever see a time where I would mention this to my wife, but not being secretly ashamed of myself makes my life better. Virtual hugs from a vaccinated fanboy. <laughs> Thank you so much for that wonderful message. That totally warms my heart. This is why I keep doing what I do. Sexual shame is ridiculous. No more sexual shame, everybody. And with that, I think we're done. So I send love to everybody out there listening. Thanks for tuning in. Thanks for downloading. And I'm not going to do any kind of read out or anything. I do want to remind you that I have that phone number that's working beautifully now. Someone actually left me a message, and I'll talk about that in the next podcast. 805-500-6544. It's Google Voice. It's working beautifully. I'm so happy. Okay, take care, everybody. Until next time, happy pegging and no shame, everybody.